and welcome to Artificial Turf Wars episode number 120, where we are 100% ready for game 164. I'm your host Greg Wisniewski, and I am joined tonight by Joshua Hausam, who apparently was supposed to bring the popcorn for game 164. Yeah, you know, it's just a delicious, tasty game snack. Yeah. Uh, what Do you have a preferred topping for popcorn? Just the butter, or do you do something else? Just butter. That dill pickle dust that they used to have at Colonel's, that's where I'm at. Uh, we have uh, we have the Blue Jays to talk about, but it's only a half a week, so I can afford the occasional popcorn-related <laughs> digression. John Gibbons is officially gone, so much so that they replaced him with Russell Martin. Uh, that's weird. <laughs> but we'll, get well, he replaced that. himself with Russell Martin, but yes. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean... That's the privilege of leaving on your own terms, I guess. Uh, so Aaron Sanchez turns out to have a torn UCL because, of course, he did. But it's not where you think the UCL is. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, uh, 100 miles, Giles finished with a nice little record for himself. Ross Atkins opened his yap again, and he said something incredibly logical. Uh, he's got a lot of things to talk about, obviously, because he's got to figure out how the 40-man lines up before the Rule 5 draft. Yes, we're already at the Rule 5 draft, even though we've only had one actual playoff game played. Uh, Bo Bichette not going to the AFL. We have a whole bunch of questions from you, which we always enjoy. We have a gold star to hand out to a uh, now former Blue Jay. And, of course, we have final thoughts. Um, so, we, we baseball moved on from the Blue Jays. There's already been, uh, first of all, two game 163s, and then a wild card game in the National League where the uh, Chicago Cubs waved goodbye to the season very rapidly. And now, as we record this, um, it looks like the Oakland A's are, are trying not to do what they do every bloody time they get to the playoffs, wave goodbye very rapidly. Where, where did yeah. the time go? Bad start for them on that front. But uh, I mean, it was definitely a win for Jay Jaffe and Team Andropy, our guests from last week. But the two wild card, the two uh, tiebreaker games. Yes. Yes, it is. It is Team Entropy's greatest single season achievement. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Team Entropy. Uh, we still have no shirts or hats for Team Entropy. Maybe next year. Maybe next year we'll talk to Jay a little earlier and see what we can do. Uh, well, so we'll talk about the Blue Jays. John Gibbons. We knew he was leaving last podcast. We we said you know we wished him all the best and certainly saw why he was leaving. And then just for fun. He said, um, you know what? I'm not even I'm not even gonna manage the last game. I'm gonna give the reins to Russell Martin. That did that come out of left field or what? Oh hell yes. <laughs> I guess that you know they decided that Martin wasn't gonna play through the end of the season to give some playing time to uh Reese McGuire and Dan Jansen, so give him something to do. If that was his manager audition, never give him a job. He batted Kevin Pilar leadoff. <laughs> That's like Ernie Witt level of managing in, in Canada. Just terrible. Did it work? No, they lost. Well, yes, but did Kevin Pillar do well? I don't know. I, didn't I believe he hit a home run <laughs> and doubled. So, uh, yeah. See how much more valuable that had been with runner on base? Oh! Because <laughs> <laughs> that was the reason for my complaint. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um... All kidding aside, obviously they don't do player managers anymore, but the Blue Jays are about to pay Russell Martin, like, what, $17, $18 million next year? $20, $20 million. Um, I was hopefully rounding down. Uh, they're going to pay Troy Tulowitzki to whittle wood in the dugout or something. Uh, what are they going to pay Russell Martin to do? 
Actually, this there was addressed at the end of the season uh, when in Atkins postseason presser, which we're going to get into a bit more later. But with Martin, he basically said it'll depend on you know how comfortable he is and how healthy he is in the offseason, how he looks in spring training. And the same thing he actually said about Tulowitzki. It's like if he doesn't look like he's good, he's not going to play. And by the way, Pilar went three for three. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, that's why he batted him lead off. What do you know about managing? He asked him, are you going to go three for three today? Pilar said yes. He said, I better get you up to the top of the line. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, Martin's role is going to be really interesting because Danny Jansen has to be the regular catcher at this point. I mean, he's earned it with his play in the minors, and they're playing towards the future, so there's no point in having Martin take that job. But I definitely could see Martin getting a lot of playing time so they can ease Jansen in a little bit, maybe almost like a full-time split. Like a 50-50 split? Yeah, something like that. And, you know, Martin can do his weirdo utility thing where he plays everywhere else, too. And and then I think that Maley might go, and I think Maguire will just start in AAA again. Uh, yeah, Jansen didn't embarrass himself, certainly, uh, over the course of the last couple of weeks. So, yeah, you, I think you definitely have to go with your catcher of the future when you've actually got one, regardless of how much Russell Martin costs. I, I, I don't think... I don't. I don't think the Blue Jays can fall victim to the, the sunk cost fallacy here if they're really trying to gear everything for potentially 2020 to be a real contending baseball team. Right. Exactly. And then, when, and then when it comes to the manager, obviously, which they have to find a new one. Atkins was saying they hope to have one in the next, you know, few weeks. They, they want someone who's. <laughs> let's see if I can find the quote. They want someone who uh, is is going to be a leader and that. Uh, ha, ha, understanding that understands what it takes in terms of communication to keep not just the 25 man roster, but the 40 man roster, the 200 minor league players, the 100 plus scouts, 100 plus coaches and medical staff people. <laughs> but this sounds like the GM. What? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like Atkins is describing the general manager. Yeah. It doesn't, does it really, like, how do you keep in touch with minor league people when you are trying to? on a daily basis, manage the egos of, a, oh, probably a dozen multimillionaires who all think they deserve to start every day. Pretty tough, it sounds like. Yeah, I don't... They're, they're going to get, like, Sandy Alomar Jr. or Manny Acta because they, were, they have Cleveland connections, and then people are going to go on that rant again, and then it won't really matter because, um, you know, the manager's the manager in 2019. If, if if he if he really whoever they get if he really flails in 2019 I'm sure they would flip again in 2020 and turn right around and get somebody new. Yeah, I've not. Well, I mean, no, I don't. I think they give more than a one year leash, but uh, I, I definitely think that they want someone who really, does, you know, handles analytics and really puts that into play, which wasn't really Gibbons' thing. Gibbons was not, you know, just pure old school, but he wasn't really data driven. I think Gibbons didn't, from the looks of it, never ignored anything they told him in terms of, you know, playing shifts or, you know, not bunting, <laughs> things like that. But I don't think it, it doesn't strike me that he ever sought out a different way of doing things specifically. It, it Like he was receptive, but not, you know, aggressive. Right, exactly. And, and just going back to the other stuff, too, about Liam knowing all the minor leaguers and what that's like the opposite of John Gibbons. John Gibbons knew what happened today. <laughs> We've talked about this before, especially yeah. in spring training. Who's pitching? I, I don't know. Jay, who's throwing today? <laughs> or no, no, you know, today, who's throwing tomorrow? Yeah. Uh, uh, we just go ask the pitcher if he's throwing tomorrow. He'll know. Yeah. 
yeah, uh, John Gibbons will be, well, he'll be different from John Gibbons, um, for sure. And we have a question about that as well. So we'll move on from John, if, uh, if you think you said your piece there, on to yeah, Aaron Sanchez. So. Aaron Sanchez, a torn UCL in his finger, <laughs> because uh, we can't have nice things. That's why. <laughs> that's, that's the rule. Expected, put that in quotes, to be ready for spring training. As was Troy Tulowitzki this year, as just, I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm not saying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Snap out no, of it. <laughs> no, in fairness, they always say that when someone has an off-season surgery. Oh, yeah. It's like they're expected to be ready for spring training if they are, or expected to be ready for the first week of season or whatever. And by the way, if my voice sounds weird, it's because it's just I lost my voice this week. But this happened from a suitcase? He tore his UCL on his finger. <laughs> I mean, seriously, can't have nice things like blisters. No, finally got past the blister problems, and that happens. It's it's a very big problem for Aaron Sanchez, and it's a very big problem for the Toronto Blue Jays because the last thing they need is we've we've beat this horse right to death. The last thing they need is a big question mark in the starting rotation. So. I love you, Aaron Sanchez. Take good care of yourself. Uh, heal quickly. Lord help please? us. Please? Yeah, pretty please. Sugar on top. I don't know there's much else to say about him. Uh, well, I mean, just what we said before. It's like, it, hopefully, it doesn't prohibit him from getting a full, or okay, he's not going to get a full, but getting a good enough offseason workload in so he can get his velocity back up. Yeah. Speaking of velocity... Ken Giles at the back end of the bullpen, the good end, <laughs> the end we can trust. <laughs> um, uh, tell us, tell us what his happy little record was for himself. Did not blow a save all season. Twenty six for twenty six. That's pretty good. That's doing the job. If you're a closer, that's that's you know, you, other than being perfect in every situation, you definitely want to be perfect when they when they give you the ball. So, you know, the Jays really apparently have traded an elite level closer with problems for an elite level closer who had other problems. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and, and look, Jaws overall season numbers aren't very good at 465 ERA, but he was clear. He was clearly working on some things and he seemed to have worked them out. He didn't give up a run in September. And I like, it, he's good. Ken <laughs> Jaws, like I, I he was one of the best relief pitchers in the game over the previous three, four years. And I think we're really going to enjoy watching him over the next two. Yeah. I mean, he's controllable. He throws really, really hard. Uh, He does seem to know where the ball is going. He has a a plus secondary pitch. He has all the things. It just, I think like all relievers, when, when something gets out of whack or they have an injury or they, um, you know, their mechanics get out of whack, it doesn't take long for the numbers to go incredibly bad looking because a couple of bad outings on a small number of innings just blows apart anything that resembles um, numbers for the year. So yeah, it's it's not fair to judge a reliever by ERA. No, it's not. And I mean, if you just look at Giles alone, his ERAs by season are 118, 180, 411, 230, <laughs> 465. And in, other than this season, there was none of those seasons where you would have described him as bad. No, and that 411 season, by the way, he had a 14 strikeout per nine. Insane. Yeah, so 
I mean, look, when I say the next two years, it's actually probably going to be the next half a season because they'll probably get traded next season's <laughs> deadline. But it's good value to have. Um, yeah, you you do wonder how much the Blue Jays are, are going to need a closer and then want that specific closer. Um, again, if there's some somebody else throwing 100 miles an hour in the minors and they know where the ball's going, Ken Giles is a big, juicy piece of trade bait. But <laughs> Even if there isn't. <laughs> Yeah, well, again, it, it depends. Whether you, if you think you're going to be going in 2020, you'd like to, I think for psychological reasons only, open the season with a real closer. Sure. I and mean, then that's fair. But you can always try to acquire that in the offseason as a free agent or something if you really make strides during 2019. Indeed. Uh, so Ross Atkins, as we start to talk about 2019 and 2020, and we trickle into those years, he is looking to... Uh, you probably have the direct quote, but he's looking to shuffle things around and, and balance things on the pitching and position player side. I mean, I mean you basically hit it. You don't need to, there's no direct quote required. But he basically said they're planning to use their position player depth to get pitching. And thank God. <laughs> For two reasons, obviously. Reason number one is they have a million people who can play somewhere on the infield. <laughs> on the outfield. It's not just yeah. infielders. Right. It's, and yeah, they've got six outfielders and fourteen infielders, or whatever. I don't. It feels like that at times, at least. And they have, I think, when we said they had four starters and four relievers. I think that was our count last week. Yeah, it wasn't. It, there was a lot of question marks on the pitching side that you would even want to to consider on the major league roster. Uh, so that was reason number one is they got too many people. Obviously, reason number two is that the people they have are by one measure anyway absolutely horrific at catching and throwing the ball properly yeah uh, would you like to read it out yeah we went to fan graphs uh, this was pointed out on twitter and i could not find the person who first referenced it so if you did i apologize for not crediting you but they went and looked at by drs which is defensive run saved um they looked from i believe 2003 all the way up to 2018 uh at the worst defensive teams in baseball and the worst defensive team of that whole time is the Phillies at negative 136 runs saved. Uh, the Blue Jays are eighth at minus 100. And this is over, again, 13 seasons. This is, this is 30 teams per season, 13 seasons. So those are hundreds of seasons of, of baseball, and they are giving away runs like crazy. Um, you know... Interestingly, the 2018 Orioles are also on that list, but the 2018 Orioles lost 112 games. They had to be giving something away somewhere. Yeah. The, I mean, and by defensive efficiency, the Jays turned 69.4% of balls in play into outs. And the average team, it's about 70, 70.5. I mean, it's not a huge difference, but when you look at it this way, the plays they're not making are huge. <laughs> Yeah. Minus 100 runs. Now, the way this typically works with the runs to wins conversion is 10 runs is a win. 10 wins. Went between someone's legs. <laughs> yeah. Or just a ball that Teoscar Hernandez missed because, you know, it's be honest, he accounted for a lot of that. <laughs> but it wasn't just him. I mean, they were negatives across the board. No, one man cannot give up 100 defensive <laughs> runs. No matter how... Tr yeah, Charlie Blackman tried for the Rockies <laughs> this year. He was minus 28. But yeah, I mean, the, it was across the board. The Blue Jays were bad defensively. There, can you think of even one spot 
other than Justin Smoke, who is an above average first baseman, is there a spot where the team had a player who was a plus defender? I feel like if you put Aledem Medias at third for enough innings, you could get plus defender out of him. But they couldn't. <laughs> and <laughs> catching. Were... Yeah. <laughs> because they were busy putting him at shortstop, where he is average, but certainly no one, no one is going to be wowed by those prospects. Yeah. So just, just, just for fun, I just pulled up the DRS leaders on the Blue Jays. Martin and Maley are 1-2. The other positive players... Pitcher, 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 oh, pitcher, like, and Brandon Drury, who had plus one. <laughs> who played with the team for two weeks? Maybe. Yeah, he, he <laughs> played seven games. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, when you're moving players around, um, you need to address that. Because the Phillies would have been, like I said, the Phillies were the worst team on this list. The Phillies might have been a playoff team. But they gave away maybe 13 wins worth of defensive runs, despite all of their other innovations. Yeah, and the good side of this is that's something that can be addressed, and it's not that difficult to address it. I mean, obviously there are problems, too, on that side, too, because uh, two twice in the same sentence, because speaking, mm. Josh. Uh, <laughs> Vladimir Guerrero Jr., when he comes up, not a plus defender, <laughs> and he's going to need to play. Yes. But in the outfield, they can certainly make strides there. Yeah, absolutely. I think. I think you. You know, you just start to. It's not the most valuable part of of uh, the equation. The hitting, pitching, fielding equation is. You know, fielding is the the soft side of the triangle, or short side of the triangle. But it, you need a side on the triangle. Yeah. Let's see what happens. Um, part of those decisions will be when the forty man roster gets assembled and solidified and you've alluded to it a couple of times the blue jays have acquired a bunch of guys to reduce their flexibility and they have guys coming off of the disabled list that reduces their flexibility they're they're past the point of no flexibility though they're they're there's somebody going to end up off the 40 man who in a perfect world you would keep right almost certainly i mean right now the blue jays 40 man roster is theoretically at 42 people because Reiner Cruz is going to go, but they have to activate Brandon Drury and Troy Tulowitzki and get Julian Merriweather, who they traded for uh, Josh Donson for. And some people are going to fall off of it. Like, for example, like John Birdie. John Birdie is not making the 40-man roster next year. But That's congratulations on, on him for making the uh, 40-man roster yeah. in the first place this year. Absolutely. It was really cool, and he played really well, actually, in his few games up, and it was really nice to see because he, you know, a 28-year-old career minor leaguer, it was nice to see him get a shot. But he's not going to be on the 40-man. And then there's going to be some tough decisions because the Blue Jays are going to have to lose assets, either major league assets or minor league ones, and that's not ideal. No. Especially for and a team, is... yeah, that in the position they're in where they have a lot of moving parts and, and they don't know which ones they want to keep because there's a lot of similar parts. Yeah, so this is why I think we could actually see quite a bit of activity from the Blue Jays heading into that period where they have to set the 40-man rosters. I think it's the end of November. I'm not 100% sure on that. But I think we could see some November trades from the Blue Jays just so they can clear some spaces. Um, remains to be seen. So on Baseball Prospectus, I believe Tammy Rainey had an article about this if you're looking for specific names. Am I right? Yes, that actually came out on... Tuesday and she goes through a lot of them and one name not listed on hers which I think is probably going to be added is Forrest Wall because that's who they traded Sin 104 also you can't give up a guy a guy with a name that that 
that's that cool. No, it's you, you, if you lose that guy, you just may as well fold your club. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was I mean, so, Jamie, Jamie, yeah, they sorry, lost Roman Fields like two years ago, and I was like, come on. <laughs> I think he's back. Um, but uh, Tammy's really good at this when it comes to going through the minor leagues. Last year, she I think she nailed the people they were going to add. But the Jays have a real crunch this year. Last year was a sort of a crunch. And that could lead to some interesting trades where you see the Jays actually lose on the value side in the sense of like they're giving up more assets for a lesser piece, but they would have lost the players anyways. Right. So there's a different kind of pressure that if you don't know what the 40-man and the Rule 5 uh, effect is, you would you would assume the Blue Jays were doing something maybe dumb, but they're doing something because they are forced, in, uh, their hands forced a bit. Right. And by the way, Fields is still in the organization, but... Uh, it was sort of like the Yankees, right? The Yankees traded a bunch of guys to get Zach Britton, who they did not really need, but they were facing a similar 40-man crunch, so they figured they may as well get an elite reliever for their playoff push and give up a few prospects that they're never going to keep anyway. Right. Something rather than nothing for nothing. Right, exactly. So we're going into Amer- Arizona, American Fall League. Yeah, apparently your bad word thing is coming my way. Uh, the Arizona Fall League <laughs> season... <laughs> coming up uh i believe the 7th or 8th of october it opens up uh we were expecting as you said last week uh boba and now we're not expecting boba uh, was there there was not a reason given was there no he was just pulled but i was surprised he was going to begin with just because he played a full season he didn't really need to go so. and i mean the jays he was replaced by santiago espinal who the jays got for steve pierce and so it's still a decent prospect going so they're worth watching Right, there's still oh, yeah. Vlad Junior. There's still Nate Pearson. Yeah, I think with the the changes, people people just get you know maybe nervous that there's there's something behind that or underneath that. That's always your first thought with a young player and them making a you know unscheduled change to his routine. But uh, like you said, it could very well be he's played a full season and you know maybe he does have uh, you know tender hamstring. You certainly don't want to mess anything up that way. Yeah, exactly. So no, not saying I've heard fun. anything. <laughs> no, no, yeah, we're no, we're not trying to start rumors here. <laughs> Although actually, they just, yeah, he. I just read this report again. He was he was withdrawn from the Arizona Fall League because of lingering knee and elbow soreness. So it is m- nagging minor injuries. Then it's just you don't want him to actually get hurt for real. Yeah, yeah, because it's uh, these are not important games in the sense of the results. They're important in the sense of development. And Bo seems to be developing nicely on his own. Um, yeah. Yeah, and he's not he's not sitting there in AAA and they're trying to figure out whether he needs major league at bats or not. Seems reasonable. You know, reasonable. We we can have reasonable things. We just can't have nice things. <laughs> sure. All right. Well, that is the weekly roundup. Um and since we're not doing the whole season in review thing, we're we're going to take your questions in just a few seconds uh so we can do the season in review thing next week. We'll be right back. We have returned, and uh, of course, as we return, uh, it, it, is, it behooves me to play the question stinger and see how long it takes for my system to actually catch up to me pressing the button. <laughs> Time now to hear from our listeners. That just seems silly. Here are the rules. First I ask a question, then you ask a question. Then how does that sound, sweetheart? 
Could you repeat the question, please? State of the art stuff. Okay. Yeah, it's really loud. <laughs> Apologies for that. I'll I'll, I'll I'll turn that down for you for the next time. Listeners at home probably won't notice. Our first question comes from Mike at Go Sends Go. Uh, Mike, you you got it. Maybe this year is not the year to have that handle. One hundred and one. Will Josh <laughs> be giving a Marco Estrada eulogy? Yep. So I was at his last start because there was no way in hell I was going to miss that. I wouldn't be the president of the Marco Estrada unofficial non-existent fan club if I didn't. <laughs> it's very sad that Estrada's career ended in career in Toronto because he's not going to be back. I, there's no reason for him to come back. But it's very sad that he went out the way he did because it sort of obscures just how good he was in 2015 and 2016 when this team needed every single good pitching outing they could get. He had ERAs of 3-1-3 and 3-4-8 those two seasons, and he made 34 starts and 29 starts. He was healthy for the most part, had a small back issue, and he was dominant. And those playoff runs, those games against Kansas City and against Texas, Marco Estrada was a huge part of this team making the postseason, and I'm very sad that he had the worst season of his career on the way out the door. And his last start sucked, too. So, so it was really unfortunate. Still got the standing O he deserved, though. Yeah, I, I think it is tough to write, you know, real life to line up with what you would hope for a particular narrative. And, and it is kind of sad that he couldn't, you know, go out there and throw six scoreless and allow only two hits, uh, you know, uh, in his last start to remind everybody that that's somehow what he repeatedly did when he was at his peak, despite not having any pitches that looked like he should be able to do that at all. Um, I will miss his changeup. I will also miss the copious amounts of likes and retweets I used to get whenever I retweeted my joke uh, <laughs> about his changeup <laughs> on Twitter. <laughs> so, I will miss uh, him blowing 88 mile an hour fastballs by guys. I love that. Yeah. There, there, there is something a little magical about a pitcher like Marco Estrada who does, like you said, things that don't look right, but that work anyway. So we will miss you, Marco. Uh, and that's, that's the way it goes. Age catches up to everybody. Yeah. All right. We'll pass the uh, tissues around later. Uh, <laughs> so question to Emily. Uh, hashtag Gibby the best at Jay's girl Emily. Besides Martin, who would have been your top player choice for manager for a day? Even if someone who would be like playing in that game, you wouldn't need to give them up for that. Well, it wouldn't be Martin because he batted Pilar leadoff, <laughs> as we established. <laughs> she mm, did say tough. besides Martin. I know. So like, but I'm saying even if he was included, he wouldn't be in the list. <laughs> mm, that's rough. That's very rough. Yeah. Troy Tulowitzki. Give him something to do. <laughs> um i'm kind of thinking yang hervis salarte uh Ooh, good one good one yeah there there would i mean the, the dugout cheerleading process i think changes when you put him in the manager's seat it really it becomes much more intense um all of the handshakes i'm sure would be on point coming back into the dugout regardless of the <laughs> although I, 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 I but i also wanted to be coaching third base and giving the signs because something tells me he'd do them very dramatically also true uh, I'd also be intrigued to have a player who speaks almost no English or Spanish, like Sung Hong Oh when he was on the team. That would be a great manager <laughs> choice. <laughs> Try to figure out what he meant. So Eugene Koo is actually managing? 
someone always giving yeah. out his directions and Eugene yeah. who is that was his translator is actually doing different things and there's nothing someone else could do about it <laughs> and nobody knows <laughs> that that would amuse me more than anything else uh, I like it all right next question hit me with one from our buddies at bird's eye view is Dan Duquette going to Toronto <laughs> for dinner maybe uh to see the <laughs> fall uh, to see uh the CN Tower and the Ripley's Aquarium I don't know but <laughs> I don't think that the job that he'd be applying for is open yet, unless he wants to be managing on the field. <laughs> He's also not leaving Baltimore, apparently. They, they let Buck go, and Buck Walter, that is, and Duquette's going to stick around. I read that they let Duquette go like an hour later. Oh, never mind. My news is up, not updated. They let them both go. That's surprising, actually. Oh, yeah, that's right. They're going to hire a new GM from outside the organization. So we can't trade them Jeff Hoffman for Dan Duquette anymore, so he's not coming. Um, what I would like, actually, the question to have been is, is Buck Showalter coming to Toronto? Dear God. <laughs> Can you imagine the Blue Jays fans attempting to stomach a Buck Showalter uh, huff and puff on their behalf as opposed to in the, in the opposing dugout? It would be hilarious. Oh man! <laughs> <laughs> Just so wrong. It's like, oh, we spent all these years hating this way this guy did things, and now we kind of have to support the way this guy does things. Please, way more fun than Dan no. Uh So, no ball her only Zul at baseball her asks, should I return in twenty twenty or twenty twenty two? I don't know what's wrong uh, in twenty twenty one. Yeah, that's a, that's a weird choice, <laughs> considering that's when Atkins is like, we want to be really, really competitive in 2021. Uh, 2020. They'll be fun to watch. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I would argue that there will 2019, be 2019, some... really, but... Yeah, there'll be some fun aspects to this team in 2019. Just don't expect it to result in a playoff spot, and then when you don't expect it, it just might. Um, but yeah, 2020, I can see... I can see some, some of the moving parts on the, the Yankees and the... Um, Red Sox not you know not moving properly. Guys don't have long careers with every every year healthy, um, and that's you know that's what the Red Sox were historically good for lots of reasons. But I don't think that lasts two more years. It's just weird. Yankees are more of the long term threat, I think, than the Red Sox are. But both those teams are still getting pretty good. Yeah. If the Jays. Okay. Oh, go ahead. Yep. No. no. No, I will read you one. We'll come back to that one. Luke at hashtag give you the best at split letters. How glad are you that it wasn't the Jays in last night's marathon game? We would have been obliged to stay up and have a heart attack. Would we not for 13 innings? Is that the implied problem? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> we would have aged about 400 years. We would all, we'd have died. Uh, yeah. You might not even be getting this podcast. Um <laughs> That said, not at all, because this season sucked. <laughs> I would have much preferred a team that was good, even if it meant they had the worst possible way, as you suggested, of losing a season, ending a season by losing in the wild card game. Indeed, I do. I, I genuinely think myself that that's the worst way to end a season because there's all this buildup and this idea of this potential of being in the playoffs, and it's just snuffed out. In, ah, it just seems even that much more futile. At least it, with the Blue Jays, you could you didn't have a lot invested in September. Yeah, and then there's definitely that side to it. <laughs> um, we were gonna look at uh, oh a question for you from Stephen Nestor because I don't answer 
roster questions very well. At Steven Nestor 2, he says, if the Jays have a game 163 next year, do they have to send Vlad Jr. down? So the way it works, there's a set number of games that a season, days that a season lasts. It is what it is. It's in the CBA. 187 days, I believe, is what it is. And 172, I think, constitutes a full season. So it it won't make a difference. <laughs> and especially the way the schedule works. If they call him up for the first home game, which I believe April 12th would be the first one after the deadline to keep him for another year, it would actually give him a one-game buffer anyway, so it will not make any difference. April 12th? It's that soon? Why did I think I it was think May? I think it's April 12th. The season starts early next year. Okay. I still thought it was like like first week of May or something, but that's cool. No, 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 no. It's, it's like they only need to keep him down for 14 days of season. It's somewhere in the depths of the CBA, folks. If you're ever looking for something to fall asleep to, I recommend pulling it out and skimming it. Yeah. And my uh, voice has gotten worse as we've been along here. But Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's quality stuff. That's how excited you've gotten. Uh, Luke at Gibby the Best asks another, why does it feel like the firing of a Jays manager slash the hunt is one of the things where the front office is trying to be too clever by half? This is kind of parroting something that Ken Rosenthal wrote over at The Athletic, basically saying that they're outsmarting themselves by getting rid of Gibbons. I just think that when you're changing the entire direction of the team, it makes sense to change the manager with it. I think if your manager, you know, if you come to him and say, hey, we're going with the kids next year, and your manager says, I'm really not in for the whole thing, genuinely. Like, maybe I'd be here next year and I'd be, I'd be fine with that, but, like, I'm not in here for the, to be the guy who guides these kids for two or three years until something starts to click. Well, I think it's only logical to go look for somebody else. It's, it's only fair to everybody, right? Yeah. I mean, but honestly, though, I think even if he is into it, like if he's like, oh, I can do it, I can do it. But I don't know. I, I think that it makes sense to change the culture, come full stop at the same time. Well, I guess that depends whether you believe that the culture is, is something that's going to need to change per se. Like, it, it, yeah, it depends how you're treating your veterans who are going to be obviously it's not going to be an entire team of rookies. So it depends on your view on the veterans that you're either going to bring in or have around the, the young kids and how they relate to the manager. But I can see your point. Um, I think yeah. you could do it either way. I mean, I mean the, the, the yeah, nationals, the nationals decided to turf their manager who did a great job and then turn around and like, why would they get rid of dusty Baker? Yeah. I mean that to me, that, <laughs> there's some logic there too, to me. I mean, I don't want to get too far down the rabbit hole of other teams, managers, but I think that they got rid of Baker because over the course of a season, he's a very good manager, but his strange tactical decisions play up big time in the postseason. Mm. So they figured they had the talent to get through to the postseason anyway, and they wanted someone who could be more tactically beneficial there. That didn't work out. (laughs) But I, I, I still think that that decision made some sense. It wasn't a perfect one, but some. All right. You want to hit me with the last question? Yeah, final one from Acmedo at Acmedo. Unpopular opinion. If the front office had stated before the season, we wouldn't be we wouldn't compete and a rebuild cheese. We wouldn't compete and rebuild and then play the kids from the start of the season. This is a grammatically <laughs> tough question. Not no, everyone's first start. language is English. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm not saying so, so that that's the case tr- here. <laughs> try this again. It might be just my reading too. Basically, if they stayed before the season that they weren't going to compete and start a rebuild, played the kids. The season might not have felt so underwhelming. What do you think? I think in the Toronto market, much like the New York market, you can never 
go out first and say, we're not going to compete. We're rebuilding. I don't think that works in Toronto and doesn't immediately result in ticket sales absolutely cratering because they sit on the edge. They're so driven by competitiveness. Uh, And I don't think it works for the corporate owner who owns the TV station. I'm just guessing to know that their viewership for those games from day one is going to be limited to only hardcore baseball fans. So I think they're doing it next year. <laughs> but they they're only doing it because they literally have no choice. I don't think you can try and bump this roster up again. It's yeah, like, but I mean, but to actually answer the question though, in terms of if they had done this, how would it have felt? Well, I did have a part two to that. I think oh. I don't think you have enough pieces ready to play as the kids at the beginning of this season. Um, yeah, to make it work. You just you just don't have kids who are major league ready. So what you get to look at is is a lot of kids, uh, maybe a couple of them getting so embarrassed or so disheartened that they they don't play well going as well going forward until they get their confidence back. Yeah, no, I, I happen to agree with that. Yeah. So, no, <laughs> stole your answer. <laughs> uh, Vlad Junior being the exception. Yeah, but he was never going to be up. So no. Not in a non-competitive team. Yeah. So unfortunately, uh, sometimes you get underwhelmed, I think is the lesson there. Yeah. All right. So I do have up my sleeve a gold star. Uh, I think that's rather brilliant. So I did good, right? I mean, I would have thought you'd get a gold star. You enjoy that. You've earned it. Indeed. And the gold star goes to? I'm not going to do a drum roll. Oh, okay. John Gibbons. <laughs> Gibby the best. Uh, I think alone for his quote after the uh, the applause and everything at his last home game, his response about how he felt, you, you never, never heard a bad eulogy, did you? <laughs> <laughs> um, oh. I'll let you continue because I have another... He gets two gold stars in this one, but continue. All right. No, I, I was just every, every quote I, I've heard from him. Um, I believe it was our own Sean Addis uh, who had a bunch of quotes that couldn't fit anywhere in an article. And, and one of them was when he was asking about sack bunts and he said, the Blue Jays have four this year. It was um, Mike Passador. Actually. It was Passador. Sorry. My, yeah. my apologies. Uh, Mike Passador. Uh, the Blue Jays have four this year and immediately Gibby goes, well, Urania and Granderson, I think, did that on their own. So we have two. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, it was Urania was the only one who was actually bunting. It was like Granderson and someone else. He goes, no, we have two. And then he was asked, do you have a bunt sign? He goes, oh, yeah. Nobody knows it. <laughs> <laughs> so good. And here's the other one, too. So he went on uh, the Jeff Blair and Stephen Brunt's podcast, which I didn't know they had, but he was Every, asked about... Everyone has a podcast. You know what? We even have one. Really? Seriously. Check it out. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so BVH at BVHJ's tweeted this out. He was listening to it, asked what he thought he was getting into when he came to interview with Alex Anthopoulos before getting the manager gig the second time around. Gibbon says, quote, well, yeah, there's different stories out there, but it's not a lie if we know the truth. <laughs> Greatest. <laughs> Give me the absolute ultimate best. <laughs> I it's, love it. <laughs> I do not have a platinum star stinger, but I would play it at this point. Man, what a, th- <laughs> what a callback. 
What a callback. Unbelievable. <laughs> so yeah, we I think I I genuinely will miss that character. I I almost feel like a lot of his quotes kind of got um got glossed over in the you know that long stretch of the season but there are a number of times where just looking at him even after he got thrown out of a game looking bloody pleased at himself that he got to start having beer early uh it was wonderful and i i I really know that that part is not going to be part of the personality of whoever the next manager is i'm I'm sure we'll get something but we're not going to get that kind of smirk and a wink um so often and doing everything at a 60 degree angle (laughs) <laughs> okay it's the lean like just like just so casual <laughs> oh my goodness I, I guess i should turn it over to you uh at this point for a final thought yeah i guess the final thought is it's going to be at least a little more entertaining watching the postseason in the nl because it's looking like we make another Yankees Red Sox series. <laughs> I really I have no interest at all in watching that. <laughs> Give me either you know, those beautiful four and a half hour ball games. But because the Rockies beat the Cubs, it guarantees that either the Rockies or the Brewers are going to be in the NLCS, and that's awesome. That is indeed uh, a couple of teams that you can root for, regardless of how how you want things to play out. And way back, I did tell you the Rockies are my team. Absolutely. And the Dodgers have have made it to where I need them to make it to be really annoying to you when the Rockies and Dodgers potentially play one another. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's all we have. Um, my final thought. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Did the Blue Jays lose two or three to the Tampa Bay Rays to finish the season? Pretty sure they did. In Tampa? Yeah. That might be the most Blue Jays way to end a season ever. So it is, I'm going to give them a thumbs up, if only for the appropriateness of losing to the Rays at the Trop at the end of the year. Oh, and just on that note, I think it was last podcast, I talked about how the Jays were closer in the standings to the Yankees than they were to the Orioles. Mm -hmm. That flipped on the last day of the season because the Orioles won and the Jays lost. Ah, we could have, but we didn't. No, they're 26 games back of the Orioles and 27 games back, or ahead of the Orioles and 27 games back of the Yankees. I think I just came up with the uh, the Blue Jays 2017 or 2018 slogan retroactively. We could have, but we didn't. (laughs) (laughs) Very inspiring. (laughs) All right. Um, That said, uh, you have been Josh Housem at Joshua Housem, and I have been Greg Wisniewski at Coolhead 2010. And this has been Artificial Turf Wars, episode number 120. And we'll talk at you next week for what proves to be a season roundup. See you then.